welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal, and on this episode, we have a session from the Digiday Publishing Summit we held in Vail, Colorado, from March 27th to 29th. The debate over paywalls and merchandise has turned to a more nuanced discussion over how to supplement advertising revenue with new income sources, ranging from membership opportunities to e-commerce. Join Jeff Schiller of Pop Sugar as he discusses how publishers are going beyond advertising. Okay, so what is going beyond advertising? Oh, yeah, there's X's here. What does go, going beyond advertising mean for a, a lifestyle property like, like Pop Sugar? From our perspective, it's really touching the consumer on a daily basis through every potential avenue. So for us, specifically, it was a, uh, a clothing line at Kohl's because we know, you know when you're not on your phone, you're either eating, shopping, doing other things. Um, we want it to be in brick and mortar. It's our beauty line, same thing, same model. Uh, it's events. We know, again, you're not always living on your phone create a big tent pole and pop sugar playground. So I think from our perspective, beyond advertising, these revenue streams are really about what do we know about the consumer today and how can we learn more about them through all of these different revenue streams. Yes, they're all revenue generative. They're all everything you said in the intro, but also it helps us learn more about our consumer so that the core business can get smarter, um, you know, and then hopefully pass that learning mm -hmm. on to clients. But the core business is still ads. Right? Uh, well, the sponsored content, uh, okay. if you will. Um, <laughs> ads. Yeah, ads. Uh, but you know, display, we treat display like a legacy product because it really has over the last two years and even this past year accelerated further to become kind of like 70% uh, of what we do is content driven, 30% is typical display, pre-roll, whatever. So our stuff is higher touch, storytelling. So yeah, it's ads, but it's a lot deeper. And then when you talk about how that gets distributed. Obviously, it's all the platforms and our .com, but what we're starting to do is think about how there's a convergence between the other revenue streams and the content we're creating. So we might incorporate programming into Pop Sugar Playground or take something we're doing online and figure out with Kohl's how we can bring that to in-store. So they're all kind of mm -hmm. working together. So how much of this is just trying to do things that the platforms can't? Right, I mean, if, if you're looking to reach a pop sugar type audience, I assume, what, what is, how do you guys describe the audience? Young women yeah. between? Tw our, our sweet spot is 28 year old. She's kind of, you know, in the, newly in the driver's seat, has some, some you know, discretionary money, is able yeah. to, you know, have it all, do it all. And I, I think our particular thing is a lot of positivity. So it's like, there's no judgment, endless possibilities. That's kind of like the brand and the audience. I, but why not just, you know, clients just dump all that money in Instagram. I mean, she's on Instagram <laughs> constantly, so. We say this, yeah, we have this conversation <laughs> like 12 times a day. They're pipes. You know, you can have a pipe all day. It's nice copper pipe. It looks good, whatever. If there's nothing flowing through it, it's worthless. And so, yeah, you know what? Brands can promote their own stuff or they could have influencers, but we have audience insights. We have an, a loyal audience and we have engagement that they don't have. And so, you know, that's the constant battle. But for us, it's like, you know, sure, dump all your money, see how that works out for you. And we're starting to see, you know, you look at like some of the CPG brands that have just gone straight platform, like all procurement-based stuff, they're not doing that great. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, Instagram is like a major competitor for, for a brand like Pop Sugar, right? Uh, I wouldn't call them a competitor. I think they're a friend. I mean, the, Facebook has yet to turn that 
distribution dial all the way down and mute, you know, so it's like from our perspective, we've been really, really aggressive. So we have um, all of our verticals on the dot com are mirrored on Instagram. So Pop Sugar Beauty, Pop Sugar Fitness, et cetera. It's been great, but, you know, like we were talking about at Moguls, like anything, you ride the wave, you get kicked off, you find the next. So, you know, we're, we're talking uh, uh, to TikTok. Last year we did like a fitness challenge there. So I think the way that we approach platforms, with all due respect to any platform people, is, you know, it's a frenemy. It's what we can get, we get. And we assume that at some point they're going to try to monetize every last ounce of what they can from us. So we just move on. On the ad front, how about influencers? I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of focus on influencers, and I'm sure a lot of your client base is like very influencer crazy. Yeah, I mean, influencers are super low margin, super high touch, so those two things are kind of not the best mix. For us, what we do is focus on talent, and I think the core difference is talent for us is exclusive, so we have talent, some that have been with us seven years, some that have been with us a year, but it allows for us to lock them into deals where we know that they're not gonna tomorrow go and be talking about a product with our direct competitor that it, and I think beyond that, it also builds audience. So audience then builds engagement, which has better performance when, so we try to stay away from influencers as much as we can. Okay. Um, so on, uh, we were actually talking about this a little bit at Moguls, um, when it comes to, I mean, you guys are a venture funded publisher. Right? We are. 40 million? 40 million, but 40 million. Our, yeah. yeah. Like the last round was a long time ago. Yeah, like 2011, so it's been. Yes, now Brian Sugar, the, the CEO. He was chief on, EBITDA officer. Yes, he was on yeah. uh, the Digiday podcast and, and had christened himself the, the chief EBITDA officer. Um, so um, you must focus on margins quite a bit. Oh, yes, <laughs> I, I live and breathe margins. That's why, for us, influencers aren't a good business. I think, in general, uh, part of why we didn't focus on top line and we focused on margin is we want to be self-sustaining. We want to be a good business. Whether we, you know, merge or do whatever in the future, stay standalone, we have to be a good business. Part of what this narrative around consolidation being the great hope, if it's bad businesses coming together, it's just a consolidated bad business. Right. And so I think from our perspective, the focus on margin, it dictates everything we do, every decision we make, who we partner with, why we partner with them. And so with Instagram, it's it, back to your earlier question, it's very easy. We just, there's no rev share. It's our audience, our content. Mm -hmm. Eventually, if that changes, you know, we'll see. But yeah, on the, on the proposed mergers, it was um, uh, a, a CEO, I'll, I'll say he'll remain nameless, but he emailed me. He's like, what, who's going to run these businesses? If you were running unprofitable businesses and you put two unprofitable businesses together, what is suddenly going to make you good at running a profitable business. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I think I know who it probably yeah, is. Yeah, probably. <laughs> does, does, he, does he write in all caps? Yes. Okay. Uh, so uh, anyway, that gives it one. Yeah. Um, uh, but you had expressed, I mean, look, there are a lot of uh, publishers out there who are really just focused on the top line. Yeah. And, and you compete with them. We compete with them every single day. And it is such a slog to have the same conversations with Mostly agencies, clients get it, but mostly agencies around the idea of quantity versus quality because we'll go up against a publisher that'll say, whatever you want, good, got it. You want 50 pieces of content for 50K? Great, and we're like, we'll give you two. 
And it's because, one, because of margin, two, because it's not, it devalues and, and basically commoditizes our offering. You know, people will value add events. We have a ticketed event. We have an event that you need to pay specifically for the event sponsorship fee for. So it's, it's, it's really depressing the entire business. Some of those brands are gonna go away, hopefully in the next year, because they just can't survive. But it's just, like I said, it's kind of a race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. So how do you focus on shoring up that core business and at the same time build these new business lines that are not real, purely advertising or sponsored content? Uh, it's a great question. I think the part that uh, we've kind of landed on is if you can get the two to converge. So, for example, with our licensing deals, there's a media commitment. There's an upfront media commitment. So even if there is some opportunity lost, because if we do a deal with Kohl's, maybe retailer X doesn't want to work with us on the media side, we know we have a media commitment tied to that particular deal or any of the licensing deals that we might do. So that's number one. It's getting them to converge and work together. Um, I think, you know, beyond that, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's tough to kind of point your finger at one specific thing. Um, I don't know, you know, it's like I said, it, it's, it's kind of like um, we look at everything that we're doing, we look at where there's a white space, we look at um, what value does it have to the brand. So a perfect example would be this. We have the Kohl's partnership, we're in 500 stores. Kohl's, not us, and we love them for it, paid for national TV campaigns. And so the brand value and the halo effect, I guess maybe if I had to crystallize it, it took me a second, altitude sickness or something. Got um, but uh, it's really what, how, what's the halo effect? So if we're doing a line, what's the halo effect on the master brand, the core business? If we're doing an event, what's the halo effect that drives the media, that drives the core? And so really from that perspective, it's kind of, again, the convergence is, has to be there if we can get one to help fuel the other, but really mm -hmm. the halo, the positive but halo. They, they have to work together. Because I mean, I mean, Pop Sugar has a history. I mean, with shop style, yeah. you had a, a completely different uh, business, but that, you know, that was then spun off because I assume because there wasn't that kind of we couldn't synergy. yeah we couldn't make it work I think so that explain was, for those who don't know shop style yeah so now it's owned by Rakuten um, it was or slash is the largest fashion beauty search engine and so it was basically an affiliate revenue model um, we couldn't really make the two come together and converge because at that point and we were talking about this earlier it's starting to change. It's a double dip for most clients. If they're spending on the paid side, they don't want to also be paying you on the affiliate side. And so I think those walls are starting to come down. We're having a lot of conversations with retailers and we're actually saying, hey, if we're working with you on the paid side and we're also a top driver on the affiliate side and you start to kind of depress the paid, it's not like the, the affiliate is going to stay up here. We're going to just slot in somebody else. So we're starting to use it from a leverage perspective. Okay. So let's talk about the different lines. Like, so you've got licensing, like, um, right? Like, what does that look like? So we have Beauty by Pop Sugar, which is at Ulta, Macy's, Kohl's. We have um, Kohl's, uh, the Pop Sugar collection at Kohl's. Those are our two main areas right now. If we do anything in the next couple of months, it'll likely be capsule, but we want to take mm -hmm. a thoughtful approach to the big licensing deals. And how do those deals look? I mean, are you just paid like a, a, just a, like a licensing fee or is it like a rev share? Like how does it work? It's licensing fee, royalties, and then the media commitment. Okay. So, um, and again, that's a way that we've kind of found dual benefit. Yeah. 
And then you've got, um, you've got the event. Yep. Well, you've got a couple events, but the big yeah. event, Playground. Yeah, the big event is Playground. So 10,000 women, June 22nd and 23rd at Pier 90 in New York City. It's kind of like we say, if like Wanderlust, TED Talks, and BeautyCon had a baby, it would be Playground. Um, so it's like shopping, panels, um, you can get sampling. It's really, again, like a full weekend experience where, you know, if, if the next generation mall was built today, um, and you're starting to see malls do this, but it's kind of like, you know, uh, you'll have a gym next to a retail space with a restaurant and whatever. I guess Hudson Yards is kind of like the latest articulation in that. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's a crowded space, isn't it? I mean, it seems like everyone has these festivals, particularly geared towards young women. For sure, I think we wanted to take a differentiated approach. So um, we have some in our space that are like in and out, like 35, 40 minute, you know, Instagram museum type of things where you're gonna go with your friends, take a picture, post it on your Instagram, you're in and out. Uh, then you have straight up festivals where it's just all product or it's all music or it's all whatever. I think we wanted to create more value. And so last year, for example, we had Kayla Itzinez, who's like one of the biggest fitness influencers. She ran our fitness programming, 2,000 women on yoga mats, like boxing each other out for space. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, but it was unique because it was creating our brand essence in real life. And I think that's the key difference. A lot of what you see from events are, you know, kind of themed. So it might be, again, like some, you know, Instagram museum type of approach or music or beauty or whatever. We just wanted to take our brand and bring it to life. Okay. And the business model there is, is it sponsor driven or is it tickets? Or I'm sure it's a mix, but which is it mostly? Um, it's one or the other. Yeah, I mean, the majority is sponsor-driven. Okay. Um, it, it is paid, um, so we make a decent amount of money, but the majority of the revenue comes in from a And you page. use the same team that sells like content to sell the events. Absolutely. We have one team. They do it all. It's, uh, from our perspective, Playground can act as like an anchor for a really nice, robust layered deal. Um, if we just had an events team, then, you know, like I said before, that halo yeah. effect really wouldn't come into play. Um, but is it profitable on its own? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a break-even business. Um, you know, for what us... What does Mr. EBITDA think about that? <laughs> <laughs> he, well, next year, he, Mr. EBITDA will, will, will want it to be profitable. Yeah. Um, but what he actually saw, and it's the same thing with everything we do. So we have agency services, we have events, we have the line, we have all these other things, but we track the event influenced revenue, the agency service influenced revenue. You can actually see brands year over year spend more than they did the prior year. So there's, even though from a straight P&L perspective, you looked at it standalone, it would be break even. When you look at the total business, we're up and margins are up and everything that we need to be as you know, our EBITDA focus rules all um, is, is, is absolutely met. Okay, so one other area is paid content. I mean, a lot of people are doing subscriptions. In this area, really difficult, I think, to do subscriptions. Yeah. Um, so, you guys have a little bit of a different approach as far as getting people to pay for content. Absolutely. So we did, uh, for the first time, probably three, four months ago, we did the Flat Belly Challenge, which was $9.99, 30-day challenge. For us, to your point, if you're not in service content, it's really hard to, or like hard news 
you know, investigative journalism. Yeah. It's really hard to offer a subscription because you can get that content anywhere. So with us, we feel like fitness is a differentiator. We have the largest audience on YouTube, all the, you know, check boxes. And so... But isn't there a ton of fitness content out there to get washboard abs? <laughs> uh, there is, I think, from our perspective. Our model works because it's for, you, if you're a beginner, an intermediate, or advanced, we've basically catered to all. So a lot of the brands out there, a lot of the influencers are like, you know, you have to be like, you know, CrossFit champion, blah, blah, blah. No one's really catering again to our total audience. But yes, it, I mean, it's certainly difficult. We're never going to be putting ourselves behind a paywall and, and we're never going to be figuring out subscription like Vogue or like you guys with Digiday mm -hmm. Plus, Vail. Vail. Do it right now. Yeah, thank uh, you. Um, but, We're actually uh, signing up each speaker before uh, they get, out, yeah. get on. But one thing we are doing <laughs> that's, that, uh, that's, really, that's really interesting is we, we launched uh, a new product called Glow, which is basically like when you think about fitness influencers, uh, if, I'm sure you guys remember P90X and like all the DVDs everybody would get. DVDs are you know, basically as, as useful as VHS tapes. And so that revenue stream kind of went away for them, for them. They started moving on to YouTube and on the Instagram and et cetera. And so it's hard to monetize video directly outside of pre-roll only on like a YouTube. What we did with Glow is basically create like an Etsy meets iTunes like business where you sign up, it's Glow by Pop Sugar, so it's our trusted fitness curation ability. And you can get, you know, Body by Simone content, Tracy Anderson, but it's a one-stop shop. So it's creating like almost like a shop style type model where we have all of these fitness influencers. You can buy their videos, you can buy their books, you can buy their merch. And, all and you through. take a cut of we that? We take a cut. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so you know, I, I think through that lens, that's about as close as we would get to subscription is basically we're the conduit. We're the, you know, we're the pipes, you know, we're right. try, we'll try to be a platform. Okay. Yeah. So the final thing is, is commerce, like in the way publishers use it, which is usually just code for affiliate. Um, <laughs> We always have like yeah. what they really mean, and when people say yeah. commerce, it usually means affiliate. Yeah, um, I'm sure you do some affiliate. Yeah, we do, and I, I think, like I said, for us, we're you trying to use it more from a leverage perspective because if we say, oh, you know, we can drive meaningful, you know, GMV, uh, gross merchandise value to you guys, and um, you know, basically say, look, that's a proof point. You can. Talk about, like, we had a conversation with one retailer, this shall remain nameless, but they were like, perception-wise, we feel like you're a little bit off. And so I just literally showed them, you know, our affiliate revenue and was like, our audience in the last, you know, six months has spent $100,000 on Gucci handbags. So we're not a little off. We're actually giving you meaningful affiliate revenue. And so we're starting to use it more smartly. We're starting to kind of mold what we would call like a commerce stack. So obviously everybody, I'm sure, is a publisher has like Amazon and like Walmart in the top two or some configuration, but we're trying to figure out smartly how to slot in other retailers and then say, look, you're spending X with us on the paid side, you need to spend Y with us, um, or sorry, you're spending X with us on the affiliate side, you need to spend Y with us on the paid side and kind of make, make the two work together. So you're bringing the receipts. Yeah, exactly. Okay, wanna open up to questions? You can ask the first question at the Digiday Publishing Summit. If you would be willing to share it, what sort of percentage cut are you taking on deals like that where you've got Etsy meets YouTube in a niche market? That's uh, cool it's idea. single digits, yeah. Okay, other questions? 
So you talked about brick and mortar, affiliate, number of other initiatives. Uh, internally, what's your process for deciding what to put resources against, whether they be short-term bets or maybe more complicated long-term bets like a, a brick and mortar? Uh, it's a great question. I think from our perspective, you know, whatever we do, we want to make sure that it's not cannibalistic. So if we're going to put 10 people on a project that ultimately is going to net us less, like we were a little nervous, to be honest, going into the brick and mortar conversation because retail makes up such a large percentage of our business. We thought, you know, is there any risk here? What if we do this line with Kohl's and then Target and JCPenney and Neiman and Nordstrom, they all just go away. Um, but we kind of, we kind of like, did like a few focus groups. We, we tried to understand from clients, how would you feel if we did X, Y, and Z? And then ultimately what we came back to, and Brian said this earlier, like what's old is new again. This has been going on for years and years and years. Magazines, you know, I think Meredith is like the number one license, you know, license holder or licensee, whatever it's called of, um, uh, in terms of consumer facing products and their business is just fine. And so I think from our perspective, we looked back and said, how do we um, have confidence moving forward based on the fact that again, this is not new. Um, so, and it turned out, you know, we didn't have any disruption on the media side. So we were able to then resource the business over time. We start out conservatively over time, grow it to where it needs to be. Okay. Uh, we will leave it there. Jeff, we will finish your registration backstage. Done. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks Thank so you. Much. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, then please don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. And this will help new listeners discover our podcast. I hope to see you again soon with another episode. 